Second and victory. What is up, Titans fans? Welcome back into the Second and Victory podcast. My name is Austin Nelson. Uh, we are brought to you by BroadwaySportsMedia.com and powered by the 440 Sports Network. Uh, make sure, as we always talk about, make sure you guys check out BroadwaySportsMedia.com for all of your latest Titans news, as well as Nashville SC and the Nashville Predators. Uh, it is just me, myself, and Chris tonight. Brett cannot make it, unfortunately. Uh, we have a damn good podcast. I'm very, very excited about this one because we are joined and have the pleasure to be joined by our favorite guest each and every year, uh, the executive producer for Titans Radio. He goes by at Tennessee on Twitter, the one, the only Rep Brian. What's going How on? How are we doing? Oh, great. You know, just in the middle of it, man. Here we are, drafts a week away and lots to talk about and not a lot of clarity. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. You got a new general manager. You don't really know. We don't know him yet. We don't know what he's going to do. Um, and at the same time, I, I can see scenarios where they trade up and take a quarterback. I can see where they stick and pick at 11 yep. with a tackle or receiver or whatever. And then I can see some scenarios where they trade back. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we got a lot of questions uh, for the show tonight. So <laughs> I hope you're ready. Let's, let's just let's go. go ahead and dive in. Um, obviously, you know, I, I, I really want the, the talk to be centered around the draft, but I got a couple of non-draft questions for you. Okay. Um, first one's about one of the new guys on the coaching staff, Chris Harris. Um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of excitement about him joining the, the staff and, um, especially knowing that he'll be working with all of these young defensive backs that we have on the roster. With that said, though, one thing I've been thinking about, and I know Austin and I have talked about it before too, but do you think there's any potential that Chris Harris and, and Shane Bowen look at potentially moving one of these young cornerbacks such as Elijah Molden or Kayla Farley to safety? Uh, I, I think anything and everything is on the table for discussion when you're talking about most any of the moving parts of this Titans team outside of, you know, the major cornerstones. I mean, you see what they did and got Jeffrey Simmons re-up, which I'm sure we'll talk about that, but that was a great move. Um, and it, I guess it depends on if something happens to one of the other safeties. The great thing about Chris Harris, he comes very highly touted from Washington. In fact, so many of the folks that I have talked to in that area that cover the team and Certainly people within the organization think that this guy is candidate to be a defensive coordinator at some point, maybe higher than that. Yeah. So very pleased that he's a part of the staff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sure. He, he could, uh, they could move some things around. I mean, look at what they did with the coaching staff. You know, we haven't even talked about that. There's been 19 million moves there and, you know, so many different uh, people changing jobs and positions. You know, Tony Dews is now covering the, the tight ends and anyway, yeah. Long story short, yeah, I think anything is up for discussion on this. And, yeah, Elijah Molden could be moved to safety, absolutely. And I think, you know, I remember during the during the draft with him, there was a lot of talk about his position versatility. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in that defensive backs room. So I was just thinking about, you know, there's a little, little lack of depth behind KB and uh, Hooker there. So uh, I feel like Molden could provide some, some insurance in that regard. Main thing with Hooker is he's got to stay healthy. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that's been the thing with him so far. Uh, I feel like he can, can be a valuable asset, but you got to stay on the field and, course we know what that's been like for the last two years i remember with chris harris too correct me if i'm wrong but like when when the news broke that he was expected to be in tennessee it was almost like a bidding war after that between a few teams like washington still wanted him Mm -hmm. and i might have been another team so yeah i think he interviewed for he interviewed for defense coordinator for the 49ers right i believe that is correct yeah Yeah. after the mako left yeah that could be correct um, hey, I do want to hit on because we haven't had a podcast since the big Jeff uh, deal extension got done. But, Brett, how big of a win is that for this Titans franchise to have big Jeff here locked up for the next five years? Well, first of all, it, it, he's one of the cornerstones and the leaders of, of your team, period, regardless of position. He's one of the best two or three players on the team, regardless of position. Uh, we've seen him grow into that leadership role in the last couple of seasons. I mean, it, he certainly, he, he told us after his second year, he's like, I, I guess I need to be more vocal in this thing. And he saw how much of a turnover and, you know, the roster gets churned. And, you know, he became more vocal in those warmups and leading guys and, you know, taking them in and out of the, the, the tunnel, you know, before they get things uh, going in a game and all the warm-up stuff. And he's backed it up. I mean, you know, you look at what he's done in his career so far. and I think, you know, when, when you hear Mike Grable and you hear Rand Carthon talking about him being the, the literal definition of what a Titan is, you think about what he did in the 2022 season. I mean, he had an ankle that had to be surgically repaired, and I don't know what percentage you can put on it, but I'd say he's probably 65 70% of what he normally is in terms of health and production. And he could have folded up the tent and gone to the house, and he didn't. He wanted to play for this team. Um, and I just go back to – you know, the night that he was drafted and, you know, how ugly ESPN was about his uh, circumstances that happened back in high school. And here we are several years later. That was a one-time thing. We haven't heard anything else. I don't think we will. He's clearly a good man. And uh, he said, you know, he told Amy Adams Drunk, I'm never going to let you down. And he hasn't. Um, So it's a win for him because he can provide generationally for his family. It's a win for the Titans because they have a cornerstone piece to go through the next few years. In fact, he his contract technically could go through the year that the new stadium is open. And we'll see how that goes very soon. Um, and, and then Titans fans win because it's a staple guy. And I've said it recently. Uh, the kids in the community is who's really going to win in this because he started his Give Him a Reason Foundation towards the end of last season. And I think he will do lots of really good things here in Nashville and certainly back home in Mississippi where he's from. I'll always remember the the Jeff pick because it was a, it was a Nashville draft. I remember sitting up in, I think I was in Rippies uh, for that one and just around so many people. You couldn't get on the street because it was so packed. Um, so I'll always remember that pick. But, yeah, you're 100% right, Red, about the – I think it's a massive win for the Titans fan base because just a year ago, and I know it's a, it's a different regime, different GM, but you lose your franchise wide receiver. And so a lot of talk, a lot of rumors about uh, not re-signing Big Jeff. And then when the Bears had the number one pick, rumors of trading up to one and Big Jeff included in that package. And to me, we talked about this, me, Chris and I have about, I think if you trade Big Jeff, you take a step back 
Like he, you know, he's the quarterback of the defense. He means like you're right, right. He's the top two, three players on this team. Uh, so when you lose a, a top two, three player at his position, um, you, you're taking a massive step back after you lost AJ Brown. So yeah, it, it's just it's a huge win. I think we can all go buy Jeff Simmons jersey now. <laughs> you know he's going to be here for a little bit. I actually went to the pro shop the other day uh, to get some other gear and, and noticed they had all of those on display prominently. And I was thinking, you know what? That might be a good move. I've been wanting to get my daughter a jersey. And I'm like, I think I get her. Uh, Jeff I Simmons think that's a safe go. play, Austin. I, I really think it's do. A safe and, uh, I think so too. But yeah, I, he's. Uh, you're right about him positionally. I mean, he's a unicorn at this position. I mean, you you know, there's Aaron Donald. Uh, there's the Chris Joneses of the world. I mean, there's three or four guys, and his name is in that conversation every single time. You can't replace him. Uh, there's not a guy like that in the draft this year. If it is, it's the closest thing's probably Jalen Carter from Georgia. But, mm-hmm. you know, if he's not hurt in pre-draft workouts that year, there's no way you get him at 19. I mean, he's a top five pick in any draft from then forward, period. So the fact that he's here and uh, going to continue to be here, big time. Totally agree. I, and, you know, I think one of the coolest parts about it is he, is he did it without a power agent. Uh, he, you know, his his uncle started the the company and they, they just did it themselves. I think that's really cool. Really cool story. It is a very cool story. And uh, I think, of course, that puts him on the map. I mean, he's I'm sure he's getting clientele left and right now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a great story all the way around. And um i just i think it's a a a very good thing going forward and if big jeff is back to being big jeff health wise that's a huge uh check mark in in something going forward in 2023 right let me ask you this what uh so far so the titans have signed i don't know almost a 10 at least uh free agents um out of all the guys um what titans free agent signing from Rand Carthon's first uh, offseason will make the most impact next year? Uh, I am going to say linebacker Aziz Alshire yep. uh, from the 49ers. Really like the way that guy plays. Um, he just seems to be uh, the right deal here. And, you know, with David Long now in Miami, uh, you're certainly going to need some stuff there. And, and I still look for the – there's a chance they take a linebacker somewhere in the draft here. Ah, oh, you stole my thunder, Rhett. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to bring it up in a little bit with you. But, uh, well, we'll uh, I'll just parse that for now. But, uh, but yeah. Um, and i tell you the other one. I, I really like the Daniel Brunskill signing, too. Uh, the more versatility that you can get with a guy that you can just plug and play if you need him in a pinch. Uh, offensive lineman in the NFL today is – ever more uh, about versatility and the more you know and the more you can do. I think that's and the overall message with the free agents that he got is that they are not totally unproven, but they're not, you know, they're young enough, they have experience, and they all have another place to go in their ceiling, I guess, with, with potential performance. And and it could be argued that Brunskill's one of, if not the most versatile offensive lineman in the league. Um, it legitimately can play any spot on that line. Yeah, he's, play, he's played it all, absolutely. And, yeah. You know, and that's what you'll see with some of these guys that's coming out for this draft here next week is, you know, you'll see some guys that can play in different spots. And there are some guys that are just straight up 
you know exactly what they are, and it's they're the, the one of the best at, at a particular position. I think the Brunskill signing doesn't hurt. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the the Ben Jones leaving does not hurt now as bad because you like you replace him with like a mini Ben Jones, like Ben Jones, a, a, a little younger Ben Jones uh, is what I, I think about. Uh, very versatile, tough. I think Brunskill is going to be that. So I'm, I'm with you. Country boy. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, and here's the other thing too, and that, and he may very well be that, but they have a couple of other options. Corey Levin could end up winning that job. Uh, they could move Aaron Brewer to center. I mean, what, we don't know anything right now, and I think any of those three things are a possibility. Yeah. Um, there was a time where I thought, you know, a guy like John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota or – you know, some of these other guys at center that are coming out in this draft may be something they were considering. But I think they've done enough in in the free agent acquisitions that you kind of know where the true needs are. And, and look, we know it's another tackle. We know it's another wide receiver or two, uh, possible linebacker. I mean, there's, there's a list there. Uh, before we dive into, like, the actual draft content. Um, I've got a, a trade question I want to ask you about. Okay. And it's made the waves on Twitter today. Um, <clears throat> it's something we've talked about before on the pod, and I've harped about it on Twitter myself. But is Trey Lance to the Titans a, a potential reality? And if so, what do you think it would take to get him? And do you like it? Like, I would love to hear your take on, on the, kind of that question, but also the quarterback situation as a whole as well. Let me take yeah. the, the the last question first. And – in a small sample size, I think I can understand why people would be excited about, you know, him as a prospect in this. Um, and, and maybe it's already time for a fresh start for him somewhere else. But uh, I think the, the million-dollar question is the first one, and what does it cost to be able to, to get him? Because they gave up a king's ransom just to get him and draft him. And, yeah. you know, we saw what that required. Um I guarantee you Rand Carthon knows the answer to this question because he, he knows he went through that whole process of, of vetting in, the, in that scouting department. Um, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. I'll put it to you that way. I, I think he's a nice prospect, but I think must uh, even to a little lesser degree in terms of experience, it's kind of like what Justin Fields is right now in Chicago. I think they're trying to put as many weapons around him to help him succeed. And I think Justin Fields will succeed, but I just don't know what the, the true arc is there. Uh, is it, you know, is he Jalen hurts in 2023 talking about, you know, Justin Fields or, or is there a regression there? And if there is, you know, we're talking about Matt Eberflus being in trouble and whoever, you know, Ryan Poles, the general manager, but anyway, um, I, I like the prospect and um, you know, I mean, there's some quarterbacks in this draft that can help people. Uh, there's not just a ton of end-all, be-all guys, but I mean, we can go through the – we can run down the list. But, uh, you know, there's the big four, and there's a fifth one that will be taken later in the in the first round. And Trey, and Trey Lance is not much older than a couple – I mean, I think him and Will Levis are the same age. He's obviously younger than, than Hendon Hooker. Uh, he's still a young guy, and he has you know two years in the league under his belt at this point. So yeah, and, and you're right, and that's the thing that you're going to see littered throughout this draft next week is because this is another byproduct of of the the pandemic is with the extra year of eligibility the NCAA granted, you got some guys that have played in 60 college football games, which is crazy right. to think about. 
But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of 24- and 25-year-old rookies in this class. And, honestly, it doesn't bother me as much uh, as some people, especially if, if you have um, a good sample size of consistent success. Um, I mean, for Hendon Hooker, for example, okay, he's going to be 26 in January. If he has a nice career and plays 10 years, he's still 35, 36 years old. I mean, we've seen, you know, guys play into their 40s in this thing. So, you know, it just depends on the position. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to ask a question for Brett, uh, being a Tennessee guy that he is. Um, last year was a hell of a year for, for Tennessee football, kind of resurging mm-hmm. themselves back into uh, the profile. And uh, one of their, their you know, the Balintikoff winner, Jalen Hyatt, got a lot of love as he should. Um, but people really talk about Cedric Tillman as the, as the guy to go get right. Uh, so how do you view the two receivers? Uh, which one should be drafted first? Well, I mean, when you look at, you know, a 2022 sample size window, you would think Jalen Hyatt immediately first, because what a fantastic year he had. I mean, a five touchdown game against Alabama, uh, the thing about Jalen, and I think this is going to be the knock on him, is what, how polished and how developed is his route tree? Because we know the Josh Heupel offense is a lot of go stuff. And, you know, he's really good at that because he's fast. The other part of it is being a slight build with him. He's a much smaller receiver in, in terms of, uh, of being a thicker guy like his teammate Cedric Tillman is. And the thing with Cedric Tillman is he's in the perfect window in this year's draft class of wide receivers. There's not a ton of big-bodied wide receivers who have really good film uh, and consistent film uh, in, in top competition week to week. For example, like Quentin Johnston should be the top wide receiver in this draft, but as big as he is and as rangy as he is and the catch radius that he has, it, the consistency is not always there. I mean, he had eight drops. Um, you know, Max Duggan had 39 passing touchdowns. He only caught six of them, and that's going through a national championship run. They had a great year, but it's like, where is the consistency there? Um, I recently like, heard him compared to uh, Corey Davis, and I think that's a really you know, accurate I, that comparison. That might be accurate. Yes, it might. But Cedric Tillman, you know, here he is, 6'3", 213, uh, ran in the four fives, good measurables, and he's healthy. That's the big thing is he's healthy now. Uh, he was as happy a guy as I could talk to at the Combine in Indianapolis in March. And um, But, yeah, I, look, I think this close to the draft, if we just t- had done this a month ago, I'd have said without a question Jalen Hyde will be taken first before Cedric Tillman. Right. I think they're pretty close to being in the same ballpark. And there, there may be a point where Jalen Hyatt is towards the bottom of the first round, but he might actually be in the top of the second. And, I don't think Cedric Tillman's very far behind you. There'll be some balls taken in the first two nights for sure. No and that's two of them. Darnell Wright would look damn good in a Titans uniform, just saying. <laughs> Darnell Wright is such an interesting prospect because, um, you know, he's a five-star guy at a Huntington, West Virginia, who I, I, I'm interested. I would love to know what – um, these teams have gotten from him in these interviews and things because he's a very introverted guy. You don't see a whole lot of him being an outward person. Uh, I had a conversation with Brent Hubbs the other night in Knoxville, and he said, you know, I went to go cover his high school 
game in Huntington one night. He said, because that's the only way you could talk to him. He said, you had to go in person. He didn't have any social media accounts and you kind of had to corner him and to, you know get him to talk to you. And he says, I'm sitting on his, on the bench there at his high school game one night. And he goes, you know, why did you come all the way up here to see me? And he said, well, you're a five-star recruit. You can go anywhere he likes. And I'd like to know your story. And he just didn't understand the whole process about how someone would be interested in what he's doing. And, uh, it didn't really, from what I understand in Knoxville, didn't really, you know, care to speak to the media a whole lot. It wasn't that he was, you know, just being a jerk. I don't, I just think he's kind of an intro, introverted fella. Uh, the, the stuff on film and on, in games is there. I mean, good Lord, you saw what he did against, uh, top, top competition that is going to be drafted in this draft. What he did against BJ O'Jolari with LSU, what he did against Brian Brissy, uh, in the bowl game against Clemson, uh, I'm trying to think. There was another one that. Uh, he, oh, and Will Anderson. Well, I was going to say. I think Will Anderson I mean, is one. Yeah, Will Anderson. I mean, he he mauled Will said, Anderson. Will Anderson said it was his toughest matchup. And this is a, and Will Anderson's going to be a guy's top five pick. Yeah. So and I don't necessarily think that he's going to be drafted just because he's people think he's a straight up right tackle. He can play left tackle. I just think that's the bigger challenge for him. He, that was kind of his thrown into the frying pan moments early on in his tenure up there is trying to do that. When he moved to right, good Lord, what a what a great year he had. But again, we're talking about the versatility part of this. Does somebody want him to try left side again? We'll see. But right tackle has massive value. And uh, we may live in a world next week where he may be the first tackle taken. Because that's the thing about all of this is the human element in it. The, every war room draft board has different guys on it. Yep. And it's who are you in love with? Who do you evaluate and you like more than and who fits what you're doing divisions more. Or, Yeah, any of that. And that's why I'm saying people go, God, he, he went that high. It's like it, it only takes one to fall in love with somebody. And uh, that could very well be the case. Uh, you know, for the longest time, it was Paris Johnson Jr. is all you saw in mocks. Now you're seeing more of Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. You're seeing Darnell Wright. You're seeing Broderick Jones from Georgia. And uh, it just depends on who is sitting at what pick and says, that's our top guy. Let's get into some quarterback talk. Um, okay. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the on the top five guys that we keep hearing about. Okay. So Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and, and Hendon Hooker, who yep. I, I would say is fifth, uh, potentially second round. But I think the, you're, the other I think four. You're right. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right about that. First of all, uh, Bryce Young uh, – is the top quarterback in this class. And when you think about, I think the only reason why uh, there's been any discussion that is not definitive is because of his build in this. And he showed up, you know, at the combine at 203 pounds or whatever. I don't think he'll end up playing at that much weight because he's probably a guy that doesn't keep it on very much. And he doesn't have a big frame himself. Now, here's the thing about Bryce Young. First of all, he's, by all accounts, a fantastic person, natural leader. I mean, you hear what Nick Saban and that coaching staff says about him. He's a smart guy. He uh, knows how to make his progressions and reads. Uh, he doesn't make any silly mistakes. And the biggest thing with him, he extends plays with his body. Uh, not like uh, Lamar Jackson, not like the typical running quarterbacks, more in the style of a Mahomes. And I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but – he can extend the play with his body and, and kind of float around the pocket and then make his third and fourth, you know, look and fire the ball out. And when you start looking at 
like the, the thing that is a big deal now is this S2 cognition test. And, you know, the yeah. S2 companies right here in Nashville and uh, a couple of really smart guys have put all that stuff together. And uh, in fact, I, I just made contact with one of those guys today and I'm, I want to go like tour their facility and see how all this works because I'm fascinated by it. And yeah, absolutely. in the last six, seven years, it has become the thing that has uh, supplanted the Wonderlick test, which I always thought was silly anyway. It's, it, you know, this uh, S2 cognitive test is, is really testing your uh, quick decision-making skills, the things that a quarterback has to do, not about, you know, a train's traveling at 70 miles an hour and how many feet does it take to stop or what, you know, all those crazy questions. It's not about intelligent quotient. It, it's about uh, recall and quick decision-making. And in the window, in the, the sample size that they've got, if you've got a guy that scores real well on this test, you've got something at quarterback. Brock Purdy is the top, the prime example with being the, you know, Mr. Relevant last pick last uh, year in the draft. And he scored a 97 on that test. And turns out the guy can play. Well, there's a correlation there. Uh, Bryce Young, he scored a 98. Uh, Joe Burrow, he scored a 97. Pretty good quarterback, right? So, uh, it, and that's why Bryce Young is the top of this thing. Uh, and there's been some talk this week about C.J. Stroud from Ohio State not being as big a deal and not being and being the second quarterback, but not as high as as uh, as Bryce Young. And it was reported that he and Anthony Richardson from Florida both scored between the 80th and 90th percentile, uh, which I still think is good. But um, uh, the C.J. Stroud, I think if he, um, I, I don't know exactly what completely is the knock with him because he's got the prototypical size. He's played against the best uh, and done it well. Uh, I, listen, I, I like him as much as I like Bryce Young, in my opinion, uh, just because of the, the competition and, and where he's played in this. He seems to be poised. He seems to, you know, of course it didn't hurt. He's going to Marvin Harrison Jr. who We'll be talking about this time <laughs> next year. And yeah. Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba and all those guys. Um Will Levis is the one that I, I don't understand the hype. Um, I get the frame and the size and the big arm and all of that stuff. And I understand that, you know, he had two freshman wide receivers he was throwing to last year and his offensive coordinator was with the Rams and now he's back at Kentucky. And, you know, there's some things that weren't as good as it was in 2021 with him. But I just, I think there's a boomer bust thing with him. I think he's, People think he's either closer to the next Josh Allen or is he closer to the next Carson Wentz? And I think he's closer to the next Carson Wentz. You look at the turn. I mean, he had 29 fumbles at Kentucky. That's just the fumbles. That's not even talking about the picks. And, then, and we're, not, we're, not even talking about, we're not even talking about the mayonnaise and the coffee either. No, let's not even go there. <laughs> but, and I know all those interceptions are not his fault. Because, again, he's throwing to two freshman receivers. Um, but Anthony Richardson. That's the wild card here. Yep. Um, the the intangibles athletically are off the charts. Can he consistently do what he needs to do in the passing game? With a flick of the wrist, he's 50, 60 yards down the field, no problem. But can he consistently hit the target, the touch? That's what the question is. Um, I think he's got tremendous upside in this. Um, and if he can get the, with the right team, the right coordinator, the right coach to procure that, uh, you can have yourself a heck of a prospect because, listen, we all saw Steve McNair go from a straight-up running quarterback to when Mike Heimerdinger came here 
he developed into a great passer and was a co-MVP of the league. So it can be done. I think you got to, you know, how much are you willing to put in the work? And I, I, he seems like a guy to me that's willing to put in the work. Hendon Hooker, I think, would be much more involved in the top four conversation had he not had the ACL injury back in November. Uh, by all accounts, is a fantastic human being. I hear he is super bright, super smart. I think he did well on this uh, the cognition test as well. Um, and I think it's interesting how the knock on him, again, is the offensive system with the, the Vols and what they what he's run with Josh Heupel in the last two years. But it's like, well, wait a minute. Go look at his stuff from Virginia Tech. He, wor- he did it. He worked in a completely different system. And look, there was a moment where, you know, in his tenure with the Vols, I mean, they brought in Joe Milton because they weren't sure that Hendon Hooker could do it. And then Hendon Hooker started letting it fly, and the rest is history. I think Hendon Hooker's going to make somebody a nice pro, and I think he'll have a long career in this, um, you know, barring the unforeseen, you know, with health and those kinds of things. Um, I think he's a nice prospect, and I think he cert- I think he gets drafted in the first round because we're talking about quarterbacks here. That's that's a whole different ballgame for the rest of these positions. Yes, we know, kind of know who some of the top edge pass rushers are and who might be the first receiver taken, but the quarterback, that's a whole other deal. And I, I've thought for about a month now that he sneaks into the bottom of the first round. He may be selected even earlier than that. We'll see. Chris, what do you want the Titans to do at quarterback, man? Uh, I think, I mean, I, I love C.J. Shroud. Uh, he's probably my favorite prospect in this draft just from a um, – I, I think Bryce Young is fantastic. His frame scares me. Um, and and I think that's the only thing that puts him below C.J. Stroud for me. Uh, if if Obviously, we have the Ohio State connection with, with C.J. Stroud there. Uh, if, if he's a guy that Vrabel and Rand like, you know, he would be my option one. Um, I, I am fascinated by the upside of Anthony Richardson. Um, the, the athletic ability is off the charts. Um, obviously, we, we know he's a guy that Rand's been watching for years with, with the Florida connection, and there's, there's tweets from Rand about him. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, the Trey Lance thing would be uh, a, a big thing for me if, if we could land that too. Uh, any of those three I'd be happy with. Uh, I can say I wouldn't be happy with Will Levis. Um, I wouldn't be happy with Hendon Hooker in the first unless it's a trade back to the very end of the round. Um, and I think Bryce Young's just out of reach. So, Yeah, I think so. Too. I, 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 look, if, if Hendon Hooker is somehow sitting there at 47 in round two, pull the trigger. Go. I'm okay with that. No problem. Yeah, I'd be okay with uh, it too. I think you're right about Anthony Richardson, though, eh? It's almost, it would be, and look, this is, you know, an oxymoron. You pick real high, you're expected to get out there and do something. If he could go somewhere where he could learn for a year, like Seattle would be perfect at five to go learn behind Geno Smith for a while. Heaven knows he's been through the ringer and had a nice year for the Seahawks. Uh, Ended up getting an extended uh, deal out of it. But uh, I think he needs some time to kind of, I mean, he's just 20 years old. That's the other part of it. He is so young. Like, that's why I don't, Hendon Hooker doesn't bother me. He's a 25-year-old grown man, natural leader. He will lead your locker room. He will lead your huddle. And I'm not saying that Anthony Richardson won't do that, but the difference in 20 and 25 years old in this is huge. Yeah. 
I'm torn too, Chris. Like I, I I'm, I'm kind of, we, we talked about it before, but I, I'm kind of in agreement with you as well. Um, I think I'd be I, I going from 11 to three to get CJ. I'm, I'm fine with that. I think, I think CJ's worth that risk going from 11 to three to get Anthony Richardson. That's a massive risk. I mean, I think it's, you're, you're just be sending three first round picks to get a guy that didn't have a whole lot of good film. Got some good games, right? I didn't think, I don't think he threw his first touchdown pass last year. So what week five, is that right? I think it was week five, yeah. Week four, week five. That's scary. Um, but right, you're so right. Like the upside is there. That guy can do incredible things with the football, uh, with the flick of the wrist. Those at 60, 65 yards. Um, so if you can take him at 11, I'd, I'm comfortable with that. But I don't think he's going to get to 11. Well, and the question with Anthony Richardson is, what are you getting immediately? If you go look at his film against Utah and you're like, hey, that's my guy. Right. Uh, if you see him against Missouri and Vanderbilt, you're going, what are we doing? What is this? Mm-hmm. And that's that's where it kind of is for a lot of people, I think. And and if he is going to come in and start for a team right away, the OC is going to have to put special stuff in for him. It can't just sure. be like trying to fit him to a system. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a risk to move up for him. But yeah, if he's there, if he's there at 11, I'd be all over it. I'd be fine with it. But I'm with you, Chris. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm a big Trey Lance fan. Um, and, I'd be interested to, to know like where analysts would, would put Trey Lance in this quarterback class. Is he second? Yeah. Is he third? Is he fourth? Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good uh, discussion right there. Uh, but trade a mid round pick, maybe two to get Trey Lance. He's still on a rookie contract. He's still, he'll be 23 uh, on May 9th. Very young. Uh, but I think he has that same boom potential like an Anthony, Rich- Anthony Richardson. He can run the football. Um, he's got a massive arm. I think he's worth the risk. And, of course, he's got the Rand Carthon connection. So, um, if that happens, I'll be extremely happy with it. Um, so, that's that's kind of my my take on it. But And and I'm, I'm very much appreciative of what Ryan Tannehill did for this team. Yes. I yeah. just think we're in a time in the league where it's important to find your quarterback of the future, and that's what I'm ready for. Yeah, we've said we've said that before. Um, you know, you look at the AFC, how how loaded it is, and thank God there's not an AFC team picking first now because it'd be Bryce Young and just another quarterback in this conference. Um, but you have Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson's still there, and the Titans healthy, healthy Tua, and the Titans don't have their guy. And so I think you, it's kind of been our whole argument, right? Is just go find the guy that can compete and win the big games against those quarterbacks. Because those are the guys you're going to see in the playoffs for the next decade. And I just the Titans don't have that guy. So I think you have to do whatever it takes to, to find him. Well, let's go a step further. None of us really know exactly what Tim Kelly's offense is going to be. That's great. For this Titan squad, too. 100%. Um, and I, I know that there'll still be a lot of run-based things. But how much of it goes towards an aerial attack? I think – the draft may tell us more than what we're talking about right now. Um, but, I, I, you know, and I think about Tim Kelly and his time as OC in, in Houston. You know, he had the Titans on the ropes with some not great quarterbacks. I mean, he did it with Tyrod Taylor. Davis uh, Mills. He's done it with Davis Mills. He's done it with – who else was it? But anyway, um, I'm excited at the prospect of, you know, Maybe a, a new coat of paint on something like that. Um, and, and, you know, we haven't talked about this, but like there's other things coming that I just don't think have happened yet. 
Um, for example, we talked about Big Jeff, and that currently frees up four million bucks under the cap, and that basically is enough for operating costs through the season. But that's not counting paying your rookie pool and draft draft class. So where does that money come from? Yep. And I think what Titans fans are afraid of is that it comes from Kevin Byard because it's been reported that they asked him for a pay cut. It's been reported that he declined. And that conversation doesn't end there. I mean, that's that usually ends in a parting of the ways. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, and, uh, you know, the other thing no one wants to talk about is did they move on from Derrick Henry and get something for him while they still can get something for him and move a lot of money off the table? And that's why I've, I've, I've that's why when I started with this with you guys earlier, I can see trading up to get a quarterback. I can say, see staying at 11 and, and getting an offensive tackle, getting a wide receiver, whatever. And I can see them trading back. Uh, if, if somebody uh, wants Derrick Henry, I mean, you don't think the Buffalo Bills wouldn't want Derrick Henry or the Dallas Cowboys or – just listen, there's a top five guy in this draft who happens to be a running back, B. John Robinson. And the difference between he and Derrick, and don't get me wrong, I love Derrick Henry, is a three-down back. Yep. And he wasn't always that way when he came in uh, from high school. It's something he's developed over time. But you're talking about a guy who – 2,300 yards after contact, 214 forced missed tackles in three years, 77 receptions out of the backfield, only four drops. Um, the way he can plant and move laterally without really losing any speed and making tacklers miss, he's special talent, and he can make somebody a good back. Now, if you trade back for him uh, and, and trade down a little bit, you better make a decision before you get to – uh, let's say 18 with the Detroit Lions. I could see them taking a guy like that because they've been looking for a guy like that since Barry Sanders retired. Yeah. Uh, 26 and 27 are places where you'd have to watch too because Jerry Jones would take him in a minute because there's no Zeke Elliott. Yep. Um, Tony Pollard is banged up and, and franchise tagged. And then the Buffalo Bills, again, they've been looking for a back for a long time. And maybe that's the piece that gets them over the top. Uh, because, listen, for people who don't think the salary cap's real, Watch and see what happens to the Buffalo Bills if they don't go deep and, and win one this year. No. Nope. Because they've loaded the wagons, and that stuff, and that, that window closes very quickly. Another team I think is a big question mark at running back right now is the Chargers, too. Um, with uh, Eckler potentially holding out for, for a, a new deal and all of that, requesting the trade. And that'd be a place for B. John Robinson. You're right, because yeah. he, he would work in an offense <laughs> like that for sure. Um, and Austin Eckler, I, you know, don't make the same mistakes that Le'Veon Bell did all those years ago. It's like, dude, just play, just play. Um, and the whole Chargers thing, that's an interesting thing from just our view anyway, because I'm not so sure Brandon Staley is the head coach there. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know about him and that owner, uh, the Spanos family is going to say, you know what? We're wasting the cheap years of uh, Justin Herbert on a rookie quarterback field. What are we yeah. doing? Because um, we've seen some questionable coaching decisions in critical moments with him. Uh, and, and they've got a lot of good pieces to work with. 
they got a franchise quarterback. Before so, Sean Payton went to Denver, I thought L.A. was the spot for him. I thought sure. he was. Oh, it'd be perfect. That, it'd yeah. be perfect. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see what he does in Denver. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, this listen, this draft, it, they're crazy every year, but I think this is kind of a new flavor of crazy. I agree. So much so, uncertainty so, with the Titans. <laughs> circling back to what you were just talking about, there's been rumors about Kevin Byer being traded and Derrick Henry being traded. And, you know, we, we haven't really heard many rumors about Tannehill, but I feel like that's been floated out there some. If you had to rank the three of those guys from most likely to least likely to be traded, how would you rank them? Byard. Henry. Tannehill. Just off the top of my head. And, and look, I say that and it'll be the other way around. I don't, you know, but <laughs> my gut tells me that way. Um, yeah. And look, you can find you may find a trade partner for for Ryan Tannehill. He's still very serviceable. I mean, he's done well. Um, in all of those three cases, you're talking about players that you can still get something for, and that's that's the yeah. currency. And that, like I said, I just think about them trading back because they have no fourth round pick. And man, from from pick forty seven to uh, 42 to 147, and that's a long way to see a lot of talent come flying off the board and you not have anything to go to go get you a guy with. Um, and, I, you know, but we don't know Rand Carthon. We don't know his personality. We don't know what his traits are in terms of, you know, his philosophies and things. And uh, so that's why, I, you know, next week could be just crazy. Before I uh, ask you my linebacker question that I'm, I'm dying to ask you about, um, I think this is the third straight year you've been on here to talk draft. So again, thank you for coming on here and, and yeah. hopping on. With us. Um, talk to us about the kind of the draft evaluation process that you and Coach Mack have gone through. How many hours? How many players have you guys gone through? What's what, what's what's it been like this year? Okay, so uh, we started just a few days after the regular season was over, and uh, for the first time, I went to the Senior Bowl with him. And we both went to the combine again. Uh, we have vetted and looked at 309 prospects. Uh, we've really honed in on probably the top 150 because uh, we're doing pick by pick coverage of the first three rounds. So that more than covers that. And then obviously you want to know some familiarity with some of these guys in rounds four through seven and who might be a preferred free agent that they pick up after the draft is over. But um Oh gosh, I don't know how many hours it's been. I mean, it's been three months, you know, just working, working, working. Um, but man, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Uh, we have a lot of fun together and he's taught me so much and I'm still learning. That's the thing about it. No one in you in the world outside of coaches and scouts have any idea how much work it is. And that, and I'm just doing it for knowledge of, you know, it, it, a couple of things. One knowledge of your own players that you draft, but, it, it gets me, uh, you know, better prepared for when we face Titans opponents and, you know, these drafts. Oh, yeah, we've covered, we've vetted that guy. He did this, he did that. He did. So, you know, it's, it's twofold that way. Uh, but, you know, you know, you guys know how much I love the draft process. And I, I mean, I, I certainly must not be in my right mind because to, to vote this much time to it and not, you know, <laughs> be a coach or an evaluator or whatever. But I, I, I do. I love it. It's uh, it's the architecture of the team, man. It's how it, every one of them gets built. 
and the really good ones, you can see the, the, the architecture of it go, yep, this pick was good, that worked, this good, you know. And, uh, and I'm, I'm constantly fascinated by the, the human interest stories and all this, because some of these stories of how these guys got to this point is amazing. Um, whether they went to three different JUCOs or, you know, they had some tragic thing happen. And uh, that's the human element that I always enjoy. All right, so I we, we kind of hinted at it, but so looking at the Titans roster, I think one of the biggest holes that nobody's talking about is the linebacker position. Okay. So a few, I don't know, a few weeks back, we were texting our group message about uh, Vrabel and kind of you know the linebacker position. Um, it was after David Long got signed by the Dolphins. And so we were talking about, you know, who who's there to sign? And so I, I brought up Aziz, and it ended up happening. I thought that was pretty cool. And it just got got us thinking, you know, I don't think Mike Vrabel's found his linebacker yet. And the reason I say this is because there's been, I think, four, four linebackers, and Chris, remind me who I'm missing, but Jayon Brown, they haven't mm-hmm. resigned. They let Rashawn Evans go. They let mm-hmm. David Long go. And there's somebody else, too, that I'm missing. Sad Cunningham. Cunningham as well. And so – I don't think, again, John Robinson was making the calls then, and I don't think Vrabel's found the, the guy that he loves, like his type of linebacker. And so, and all four of those linebackers are different exactly in, in that regard. Exactly. Too. So I think linebacker is such a big need for this team because there has not been a – I mean, Jayon Brown, Rashawn has had flashes. David Long was a stud, but they're not here anymore. Um. And I looked this up, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Do y'all know who the last Titans inside linebacker was to make a Pro Bowl? Keith Bullock? I'm going to take a wild guess and say Keith Bullock, yeah. It was KB in 2003, right? You had you had your outside linebackers, uh, Harold Landry, Arakpo, uh, Jason Babin, guys like that have all made the Pro Bowl. Inside yeah. linebacker. Like there hasn't been a, a true face right. of that defense in such a long time. So I think it's a massive need. So I say all that to say this. Rhett, would you be surprised that they take a linebacker with a second round pick or even the third round pick? I'm a huge uh Jack uh Jack Campbell. Yeah, I was about to say Jack Campbell's my That's guy. Our guy. So I'm a huge Jack Campbell fan. Uh I would be fine. There's two or three guys that I like. Uh Jack Campbell, certainly one of them. Uh, 6'5", 249, hands 10 and a quarter, wing almost 79 inches, 465 in the 40. He had a 37 and a half inch vertical leap, almost 11 foot uh, broad jump. Uh, his three cone drill was 674, his short shuttle 424. I mean, those are ridiculously good numbers that shows you the change of direction in, in short space in this. Um, those are and, and those are freakish athlete numbers for a guy. They absolutely size. are for a guy six five two fifty man. And the other thing that that I understand why y'all like this, but uh, Kirk Ferentz, say what you want about him, uh, but man, his players when they come out, they're ready for the National Football League. Yeah, they are. How many of them are playing in all these different cities that we see all the time? I mean, we got one in Amani Hooker, yeah. but um, uh, like him a lot. Uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas. Dude, that dude's he's all right now. He's six four two thirty five, a uh, little shorter wing, little smaller hands, um, but you know was was a, a Butkus finalist, and um, but yeah, Jack Campbell. I think he was the Butkus Award winner 
started 11 games as a true freshman. Uh, Dayon Henley from Washington State is another interesting prospect. Uh, those are the top three in this draft. And I, 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 sorry about that. There's one other one. Trenton Simpson. Trenton Simpson. 6'2", 235, hands 10 and a quarter, wing 78, 4'4", in the 40. His first 10 yards, 155. Um, those are your top four guys. Um, I, I wouldn't have my feelings hurt with uh, the two I really like is your, your guy, uh, Jack Campbell, and I like uh, Drew Sanders from Arkansas. I just think if you look at this linebacker room, you have Aziz Alshair, uh, Monty Rice, and then you have Ben Neiman, Luke Gifford, Jack Gibbons, Dr. Gibby, Chance Campbell, and Zach McLeod. You can't be confident in that room. So I think you just have to go get, like I said, a, a, Ray, Rabel type. Yeah. Yeah, a Rabel type of linebacker. So I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if they go you know, a defense on day two. Yeah, no, and Austin, you bring up a good point because, um, for heaven's sakes, the head coach played that position and played it well. Um, and I think you're right. I think he has not yet found his linebacker. Um, yeah, he loves Dr. Gibby, but Dr. Gibby is, I think we know what he is. And I think he'll, he'll make a fine player to, you know, play special teams and to, you know, round out the, the, that group. But the top flight guy, I don't know necessarily is on. It's in this group right now. To, to your point. And then, now the thing about the linebackers this year, inside linebackers, is you know it's not a super deep group. I mean, right. I I mentioned the top four, and there's a few more that are you know pretty. You know, Byron Young from Alabama, and Nick Herbert from from Wisconsin, Demarvion Overshawn is somebody that started to really show up uh, to Senior Bowl from Texas. Uh, who's a big, long dude. Um, yeah, if you're going to do what you're talking about and what you're wanting uh, them to do, you need to do it in round two or three because it's going to get pretty thin after that because they'll, you know, you'll start to see a run on positions just like you always do in these things. And once the run starts, you better be ready. Uh, who's one player that's not being talked about enough in this draft? Um, trying to think here. Well, let me answer it this way. One of my favorite players in this draft uh, is a guy that's going to go in night two, probably in third round, uh, is, is Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane. Uh, that guy, I he think. He met with the Titans today. Yes, he absolutely did. That's exactly right. And they had dinner with him the night before his pro day at Tulane. Um, Great kid, uh, tough kid. Uh, I had a nice conversation with him at the Senior Bowl. I really was impressed with what I saw at the Senior Bowl. But you go back and you look at the last 10 weeks of his college career, man, he put on a clinic. I mean, first of all, he's not like super – he's not CJ2K quick, but he's very sudden um, in, you know, his, his twitches and moves and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, but he reeled off eight straight 100-yard rushing games. But And you're like, but he played at Tulane. It's like, okay, go watch the Cotton Bowl because he tore Southern Cal to pieces. He had 205 yards and four touchdowns against Southern Cal. I mean, that was a barn burner game, but, I mean, they, they won the Cotton Bowl. Uh, doesn't lack any confidence. Uh, there's a lot of dog in there. 
really like that guy. I think he's a guy that will help somebody uh, round out an, a, a running back room re- real nicely. I think he'll see some playing time as a rook. He, he's one of the guys that I think should be talked about more uh, because in this running back group, it's B. John Robinson, it's Jameer Gibbs, and then you start talking about the Zach Charbonnets and those. He's right there in that conversation in the second to third tier. Uh, I'm a Texas fan, and the guy he reminds me of is Jamal Charles. Yeah, I can see that. You like sure. that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he had a good career, too. Jamal Charles. Yeah. Back. I want to go around everybody. I want all of our answers. Is I think I asked this, this last year, and I remember my bold prediction for the draft last year was Malik Willis going number two to the Lions. Y'all don't remember that, but I'll never forget me saying that. And y'all see how that – has turned 80, out 86 to the Titans. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'll, I'll go first, but your bold prediction for the draft, I'm going to say the Texans pass on a, a quarterback at two and they draft Tyree Wilson. I've just seen so much buzz about them liking an edge rusher. And they need an edge rusher, D'Amico Ryans. Trying to find his Nick Bosa type player. And I think they go get Tyree Wilson at two. So that's my bold prediction. That's a good one. Going to be wrong. I'm not sure. He'll probably. Brett, you go ahead. He'll, okay. He'll well, let me say with his bold prediction, first of all, let me follow up with this. Uh, please let that happen. <laughs> and the other part is this they have the 12th overall pick. Exactly. So does one of those guys fall to 11? Someone calls Rand Carthon and says, hey, man, we want to leapfrog the Texans and take X. Yeah. Well, here's what it takes. All right, let's send in the paperwork. If it's a guy that the Titans don't necessarily want, uh, I would love that to happen. That would be great. Uh, I'm going to give you my bold prediction is this. The one team that I think no one's really talking about right now that is, I think, on the verge of a change is the New England Patriots. I think Mac Jones gets traded the night of the draft, and they've got 11 picks. Number 14 is the one they've got. Uh, and, and let's just say, again, hypothetically, that they call up to 11 because there's a guy sitting there at 11 that they want at quarterback. Uh, I, I don't I don't think they're happy with Mac Jones by everything you're seeing, hearing, and reading. And I think that that's my bold prediction is something happens with the Patriots. Is Houston the destination there? You know what? That's not a bad guess, Chris. That might uh... – The Nick Casario – Connection yeah. and all of yeah. that. Sure, I hadn't thought about that, but that yeah, that could be a that could be a landing spot. I think uh, my bold prediction is uh, the the offensive skill position. So wide receiver, running back, and tight end. I think a total of three go in the first round. Only three. So you're saying in any combination? Yeah, I think it'll probably be one running back, Bijan, and two wide receivers. That's it. So yeah, no tight ends. No tight ends. Really? Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I don't think the, the tight ends should go night one. Interesting. Don Kincaid's an, I mean, he's an interesting prospect, and he's got the, the length in the in the frame. But I think Mike Mayer goes to somebody. Yeah. Um. You think you think he, it has to be at the end of the first though, right? Yeah, I would, for Mayer towards the bottom. Yeah, the bottom third. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to disagree about the wide receiver part. Jackson Smith and Jigba is taken. Uh, I, I think despite me not buying into the hype of Quentin Johnston that we talked about with TCU, I think yeah. somebody likes that. 
you know, somebody falls in love with that. Uh, Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers. I think there's three or four of those guys taken in the first round. I, see, um, I, I, think, I think it stops after Quentin Johnston. I, I think – I think Zay is top of the second. I, Jordan Addison's my wild card. I don't. I just don't know if he's in the first. Well, I'll say this: based on your bold prediction, boy, night two should be bananas, man. I mean, yeah. you're talking about so many things sitting at the top of of night two that you're like, mm. you know, you talk about some trading going on, man. I mean, because you could have, again, like I said, you. You start to run on tight ends. You start to run on receivers. You know, uh, maybe a second wave of you know edge pass rushers or whatever. I'll I'll double down on another one too. Uh, and I, this may not be as a bold a prediction, but I think uh, defensive lineman Kalijah Cansey from Pitt is a first round pick. And I think uh-huh. uh, there I like are it. a lot of athletic measurables there. Listen, it's unfair to him. Because he went to Pitt, because he's around the same size that the, you get the Aaron Donald. He's not Aaron Donald. He's not. There's only one of those. But I tell you what, that kid, if you can get out of, get it out of him consistently, he can be he can be a game wrecker. Uh, despite the size, I think he's a very good prospect that is flying under the radar by a lot of us. I think well, he's a first round pick next week. Right. I think it's it's. I don't know if you saw this today, but he was on NFL Network. And mentioned that he has not had a single official visit. Wow. How about that? And the, so see, that's just the kind of right thing now. that leads up to him being picked next week, as I'm telling you. Exactly. It, 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 that could very well happen. Very that would cool. not surprise me at all. Because I, I know mean, he met pretty, with a bunch of people at, you know, a bunch of people. He's a pretty college. clean prospect, though. And that's so. exactly like I've always heard that that's not a bad thing. It's just, he's just sure. a clean prospect, you know, no flaws. Coaches kind of know all they need to know about him. So you look at his numbers, man, at the combine. I mean, they were right there with Aaron Donald's numbers in measurable. He's been putting out he some ran, plays. He ran the fastest 40 times of a guy, 280 pounds. Or what? No, I mean, that's Tommy Adabari I'm getting confused with. Uh, I, think, I think I've got that mixed up. But still, his measurables are right there with Aaron Donald's in this. Nice kid, competent kid. Um I think he makes somebody a nice ball player. He's one of those that didn't do it always consistently at Pitt and may end up uh, may end up being a better pro than he was a college player, which is obviously the hope of you know all these general managers and coaches. <laughs> I got another question from Brett here. Um, there's a lot of players from mid-major schools in this draft. Who's who are some mid-major players that that you would consider your favorite prospects? Ah, that's a great question, Brett. Um, trying to think who jumps out at me from you know, I don't, I honestly don't know off the top of my head. You know what? I'll, I'll give you one. Um, there's a tight end in this group uh, that will be uh, probably late day two, probably day three. Is Zach Koontz, the tight end from Old Dominion. Uh, 6'7", 255, long arms, big hands, 84-inch wing, ran 4'5", five, 5 in the 40 at 6'7", 255. Another athletic vertical leap. Yeah, 40-inch vertical leap, almost 11-foot broad, 
6873 cone drill, 412 short shuttle, 23 reps at 225. Former hurdles and high jump champion with only 15 starts in college. That's an interesting prospect. I like that. Uh, while we're talking about mid majors, I, I got to ask for about a couple of the MTSU guys. Have you scouted? Uh, have you scouted any of those guys and Isaiah Gay things or or any of those? And if so, what were your, some of your thoughts on them? We we haven't dug that deep because I think those guys are probably undrafted free agents. Um, yeah. You know, it's so tough with some of these guys that you know don't get invited to the combine or the senior bowl, and obviously. Kevin Byard wasn't he had been the third round pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the people who do it full time, man, I can see how it takes up their time because I thought, you know, 309 prospects is pretty deep, but man, you can only digest so much. I mean, and yeah. of course, this here we are a week out, and I still feel like there's so much I haven't done yet. <laughs> but uh, anyway, maybe I can cram for the exam before we get started. I think- I think MTSU's Jordan Ferguson is going to make some GM look really smart. I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is, if you're good, they'll find you. 100%. Yeah. They will find you. Um, and, and, you know, in the day and age of everybody and their brother having film and access to film and social media or whatever, they can find you even in easier, I think, than, than they used to. Right before we get out of here, I got one Twitter question from you from uh, Zach at Zach DeFran. You can get us on Twitter at Second Victory. Uh, with the relative lack of success drafting and developing both wide receiver and offensive line, which which one do you most trust the team drafting at eleven? Well, I I think to answer that properly, it just depends on who the prospect is. Yeah. Uh, like if it is Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, for example, yeah. go get them. I don't have a problem with that at all. When you look at and we we I'm talking about these numbers, you look at his three cone drill and his short shuttle. That shows you that super fast change of direction, flip the hips. You know, it, which tells you he's, he may be one of the best route runners in this draft. Um, and uh, good sized prospect. He's not like a monster, but he's, you know, he's, he's well built enough. I think he can hold up in this thing. Uh, wouldn't have a problem with that and them developing that, taking him. I mean, Rob Moore working with him. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's fine. Uh, if we're talking about offensive tackle, regardless of where you think he lines up, I, I got no problem with Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. I think he makes you a good player for a long time. Uh, and, uh, I, I'm going to tell you another one. It, he doesn't have as big a starting sample, but I really like Broderick Jones from, from Georgia. I think that guy can make somebody a, a big-time player in this thing. Brett, I am so scared of Georgia tackles right well, now. Well, I wonder why. I mean, yeah, sure. We've been snake-bitten. Uh, Paris Johnson Jr., again, there's another guy that I think is, you know, is, is going to make somebody a good pro in this. But uh, I think it's – dependent upon the individual draftee before we can say where I'm the most confident about, you know, what position that I think the Titans coaching staff can, can get the most out of a, a guy. Cause you know, if we're talking about the sixth best 
offensive tackle. I, I don't know. You know, it, that's one of those things only time will tell. But if we're talking about a top flight prospect who's ready to roll, there's some things, you know, again, Rob Moore at wide receiver coach uh, to work with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yep, fine with that. All right, last question, then we'll get out. Uh, ask this question every year. So both of you, uh, absolute draft crush. Who is the guy that you just absolutely love? Uh, any round, doesn't doesn't matter. Just a guy that you think is going to be it. Riddle, you go first. Okay. <laughs> Riddle, you go first. Um, honestly, for me, it's B. John Robinson. I, I just – you can say what you want about the value of the position because he's a running back, but I, I think he absolutely is the definition of today's NFL running back with a guy you need on the field. And I, I'll say further, Jameer Gibbs is going to make somebody a good player too. Uh, he's the next back rated in this thing, and I think he's going to make somebody a fantastic back in this. And you get a lot of the comps from you know people, him being Alvin Kamara. He's shorter than that he's not as long a prospect but Bijan is I just think he's got it he's special um I mean I, you look at some of his work and he's impressive I think that's a grown man ready to come in here and do somebody's job and help help his teammates out in this thing I love Bijan uh again Texas fan but I'm going to stay in the same backfield as you Rashawn Johnson uh I, I mean that's a guy that would have started for 99% of the teams in this country had he and not been buried behind Bijan. And you being a Texas guy, Chris, I, big surprise there. But truthfully, honestly, and I'm just kidding with you about that, but uh, probably the best backup running back in the country for the last three yeah. years. No, I, I mean, he, start, he starts every other most other teams. I was so disappointed. He broke his hand the first day of practice at Senior Bowl because I really yeah. wanted to see more of him. Good-looking prospect, man. Legit 6'1", 225, mm-hmm. well put together. I think he makes somebody a nice prospect in this. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, I think I, he's a – I don't – I think he's probably taken in – I think he slips to day three, to be honest. Yeah. But I'm thinking fourth round. Uh, but, yeah, good-looking prospect. That's great value in the fourth round. <laughs> you better believe it. A lot of tread on the tires, right? I can't believe I'm saying this because this is so unlike me, but I'm in love with Paris Johnson Jr. I think he's just like the next premier left tackle in the league. Um, I really do. I, go what ahead. did it for you? Was it the the stuff you saw from the pro day? Because I got yes. to be honest, that, that got my attention. A lot of that. And I just I, – I watched – I mean, how do you not watch Ohio State games? They're always on TV. Sure. Um, sure. So I watched a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of that, watching CJ, and just kind of how fun that team was to, to watch. And – uh, I think he had 14 pressures last year. Just, I mean, he's just going to be a, a unit, a stud. So if the Titans can somehow lane him at 11, I think it's a massive win. Um, I know you have Andre Dillard as 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 your left tackle most likely next year, but it's a guy in in, in waiting. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he gave up a quarterback sack in 2022, did he? I don't think so. Yeah. No. So yeah, okay with that too. <laughs> he also mentioned on the the Busting with the Boys podcast. Uh, I think Lawan asked him your your top three places you want to play. His first one was Tennessee, and I was like, I'm locked in now. I'm, I'm all about. Yeah, it was. We we joked about that in our text because the three places he said were Chicago, Tennessee, and Atlanta, and Chicago keeps signing Titans players. Atlanta keeps signing Titans players. I just thought that was really funny that those were the three teams he said. 
I just think a, a team who they gets him is going to be they're going to be a great player. He's going to have a, a, a long career, I think. So I agree. I think he's a, a plug and play ten year guy. I mean, I there's, so there's a few of these guys in here. You know, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. That's a plug and play center yep. for you for a decade. You know what you're getting there. So what's uh, what's coverage look like for you next week? 104.5 Titans Radio. Where are you guys yep. going to be at? So we're at Sixth and Peabody next Thursday night. And we uh, always do an hour of pre-draft stuff on Thursday night. So we'll get it six and uh, a little change in a couple of things. So Mike Key and Brad Hopkins are going to co-host this hour. And during that hour, you will hear from obviously from coach Mac. You'll hear from Ramon Foster. They'll we'll I'll be on there for a little bit and talk. Uh, we'll hear from Amy Wells. She'll check in from Kansas city. Uh, and then once we start pick by pick coverage, it'll be me, Mike, coach Mac, and Ramon Foster doing pick-by-pick uh, pick coverage uh, all the way through the first round. And then Friday night, uh, we are back in studio, and we will start at 6 and cover pick-by-pick pick rounds uh, 2 and 3. Uh, Ramon gets the night off because he's an early bird and, and uh, does the morning show. So we wanted to bring in a college football guy, and so we, we're going to have Brent Hubbs as a part of our coverage this year because uh, he knows nice. all the recruiting stories of these guys, and so many SEC players will be taken, and, and great college players, period. Uh, and we thought it'd be nice to, to have him uh, to give us some of those interesting stories and in, uh, about uh, some of these players that are going to get drafted. So that'll be uh, Friday night, and then I'll be doing uh, updates on the zone and on the network uh, top and bottom of the hour from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday for rounds four through seven. So we're, we'll be ready. We'll be ready to bring it to awesome. you. Awesome. Can't wait. I'll be listening. I have no plans as of now for the draft, so I'm gonna have to make my way down to Six and Peabody and see you guys. I've been thinking hey. about going there too. Wait, Chris, you might make that yeah. plan then. Do that. Everybody's welcome. It's an open party. Come on down. Well, Rhett, as always, thank you for uh, hopping on and, and joining us, and we appreciate the the, the talk and and uh, picking your brain about the draft and what all you've been kind of going on with you and and, and learning about the pro- prospects with Coach Max. So appreciate your time as always. Great, great to uh, catch up with you guys and visit with you guys and uh, certainly uh, tell Brett I said hello and he's too big time to talk to me now. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to shame him. So he'll end up giving me a text or a call. But um, yeah, always great visiting with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Of course. All right. For Brett Bachelor, for Chris Carter and for Rep Brown, my name is Austin Nelson. As always, tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs>